Folks, if you're liking what you're getting from 30MPC, the number one way you can support us is by subscribing to our newsletter. Every week, you only get two emails. On Monday, you get a content roll-up of everything that dropped last week. And on Fridays, I pick one topic and I personally write a deep dive on things like how to cold call, how to run a discovery call, or even how to hire an AE. So if you're liking what you're getting here, take two seconds, go to the show notes. You'll see a button to subscribe to our newsletter, or you can go to 30mpc.com backslash newsletter and do it there. We'll catch you soon. Cheers. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. My name is Armand Farouk. I'm here with my co-host, Nick Sigelski. And today, we have the one and only VP of Sales of the one and only Outreach, Mark Casaglow. Nick, why should people listen? If you are the type of salesperson who gets excited when the CEO says, Nick, I like your product. I want you to show it to my entire executive team. We're going to have eight people show up at the demo. You probably want to listen to this episode. Three, two, one, you should probably keep listening. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. If you get an email and the action required on that email is going to take you less than two minutes to do, do it on the spot. It's not worth adding it to your to-do list, having to look at the item, remember what you need to do. That's going to take you more than two minutes anyway. So do it on the spot, get it off your plate. Now we documented our best templates and tips to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang. And you can get that documentation for free at the link in the show notes. Today's deal acceleration tip is brought to you by Demandbase. If you want to save a ton of time as a salesperson and be more relevant, I recommend you prioritize your prospecting by those prospects who are showing buyer intent. It'll keep you from making a bunch of noise and reaching out to folks who aren't in market, and instead you'll reach out to folks who are in market. Now, we built a bunch of templates to help you prioritize, accelerate, and win with Demandbase, and there is a link to those wonderful templates in today's show notes. This actionable competitive tactic from Clue is the trap question. Steer discovery toward the winning zone. If we're competing with a podcast that has no newsletter or webinar series, we might ask a trap question like, how do you figure out if those podcast listeners are making their way to your mailing list? And when you're in a head-to-head, there's no better way to prepare for your next competitive battle than with our trap questions and battle card templates from our friends at Clue. The link's in the show notes. This week's actionable prospecting tactic is from Sixth Sense, who shows you the prospects who are most likely to buy so you can get more meetings with fewer activities. Personalizing cold emails requires you to only change the first paragraph in a trigger template. All you have to do is tie the research to the problem you solve in paragraph one, and then switch that out while you leave paragraphs two and three, your solution and call to action, exactly the same. And so we are giving you six of these trigger templates with our partners at Sixth Sense. The link is in the show notes. Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Woodpecker. When you're sending a sales email, you generally want to avoid putting punctuation in the subject line. If you've got an exclamation point, it makes it seem like you're shouting at them. Look at this amazing offer. And a question mark just smells salesy. So avoid punctuation. Now, if you want to steal my full sales cadence from my friends at Woodpecker, there's a link in the show notes for you to go get it and try it for free. All right, Mark, welcome to the show. We start every single episode with your top three actionable takeaways. So let's get your three. I'm ready, Nick. Number one is meeting agendas. Um, You need to start your meeting agenda with the end in mind. You need to have a clear cut statement that you have as the last line of your agenda that says exactly what you're going to ask for at the end of that meeting. Like prep them, let them know where you're going. And then when you get there, it's no surprise. 
Beautiful. What's number two? Number two is following up a meeting with an email, right? So that follow-up email after a meeting is all every rep I come in contact with has a deck or has something that they're showing. And then that one, what they want to do is they want to attach that deck and be lazy in their follow-up email. Quit doing that. Take the entire deck, summarize it down to three points and do a 15 second video. 15 seconds? Yes, 15 second video walking the person through the three points and why they matter. Love it. What's number three, Mark? Round us out. Number three is case studies. If you send somebody a case study as a PDF with nothing done to it, you're an idiot. All right. Nobody reads it. So take five minutes and read the case study you're about to send, highlight it, mark it up, write notes on it, and then send them that with a little note that says, hey, this case study, six pages. No, you don't have time for six pages, but I marked it up. You should be able to read it in three minutes tops. All righty, Mark. So you talk a lot about meeting management. And what I mean by that is the before, during, and after the meetings, right? And so let's actually go in that order. So you have some things like pre-demo calls, pre-demo emails, things that you've talked about a lot. Could you talk about what do you need to do to prep properly before a call even occurs? Yeah, man. So listen, let me give you the overarching philosophy that I work under, then I'll talk about that specifically. A demo is a movie, all right? Are you going to put together an awesome script or is it going to be a dud? And what most reps do is they walk in and they don't even have a script. They're just freelancing the entire movie. And that's the one chance that you have for a lot of buyers to actually buy into what you want to do. So the way that you do that first with, is with prep, right? And what I mean by prep is, do you have the ability to boil down what you're trying to do to a singular sentence? I call it the pain sentence. If you can't do that, you're not ready to do a demo. Don't show them the product if you can't explain their challenge in a single sentence because you don't know the challenge well enough to be able to demo what you need to demo to, to, so that they know that you can solve their challenge. And so like start with that, that, uh, that pain statement. And I have a really specific formula for creating a pain statement. It includes four things, all right? So I'm gonna give you the pain statement and the four variables and I'll explain it. One is despite A, we can't do X, which means we don't get Y as measured by Z, all right? So despite A, A is what current investments has that person already made to solve the problem you're trying to solve, right? If you're trying to solve some net new problem that's never existed before, good luck. You're probably not gonna get budgeted money. You're gonna get put down the priority list in favor of a project that they've been trying to solve forever and super important. So find what they've already invested in, what they've already put resources to, what they've already spent money on, what they've already brought consultants in to help with and align to and, and say that's despite this, you can't do X. And X is like, what are they trying to do? Is it trying to increase outbound prospecting activity? Is it, are they trying to decrease the threat of security risks? Some something. I don't sell that stuff, so I don't know how to talk about it. But you know, what are they trying to do that they can't do? All right. Which means they don't get why. Why is like the value that they're trying to create by solving the problem? Like in my world, they're trying to increase pipeline you know, in coverage on their, their number, the value of that is they can hire less reps and they can spend time on training versus always harping on reps for prospecting. And so there's, they don't get something because they can't do X. And then the last thing is as measured by Z, right? And that measured by Z is really important because it lets you know how big the problem is. 
and how well they understand it. If they can't give you a metric that helps you understand the magnitude of the problem, might not be a problem. So that's like one part of prep. We can go in deeper into that. But like, if you can't get to that point where you can create that pain statement, you're not ready to do a demo. I guess as you're being a little bit more slick in your discovery than saying, well, what can you do? What does that result in? What don't you get from that? And so how are you driving your line of questioning or structuring your discovery call so that you make sure that you get to all of these points instead of just asking, how are you sending emails today? I'd say something like, all right, Armand, listen, I know you're in executive meetings all the time and there has to be a time in the last month where your CEO came in on a rampage and they wrote something up on the whiteboard and broke the whiteboard marker when they put a period after it. Tell me what they wrote on the whiteboard. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just a creative way to ask a boring question, but it gets you into a, an emotional state. It gets you into a frame of mind. It puts a mental picture in your head and you, you're much more likely to tell the truth because you can't manufacture that scene, you know? And sometimes people are like, yeah, my CEO is really chill. He'd never do that. And I'd be like, okay, well, last time he took you out to coffee and you guys were doodling on his mole skin with his like $300 Mont Blanc pen. Like what diagram did he draw you? And so I'm just trying to get into those conversations that I want to be in, but I am never going to get in. I'm never going to be in the boardroom. I'm never going to be at the coffee shop, but like, let me in on the conversation because that's where the important stuff gets talked about. So once you ask them that question, like, hey, what did your CEO blow up about last week? Now you got this nugget, right? And so this is the first stage of a four-stage discovery framework that I call dig in the pain hole. The first thing is you probe. So you ask a creative question that prompts them to be in a mental state where they tell you something that is a, a pain, right? The second thing is called dig in the pain hole. So let me ask you this. Did any pirate ever find a treasure by digging one shovel full of sand at the beach? Hell no. Dig a lot. Got to dig deep. That's right. You might find a gold coin or two, but you don't find a treasure. That's what discovery is. Dig that pain hole. That's where the treasure is at the bottom of the hole, not at the top of the hole. So you got to dig. And the way that you dig is here's a simple way to dig. So let's say that you told me, Nick, that you're trying to get your podcast listeners up to a million subscribers. And I would say, listen, you know, Nick, I talked to a lot of podcast people. And subscribers mean something a little different to everybody. What do you mean when you say subscribers? And then they go off. You know, and that's all you have to do is you, you, you take out the key sentences and you ask them to explain what they mean because everybody's definition of words is a bit different. And the way you get to clear communication is by understanding what they mean when they say a word. And that's just an unbelievable way to do discovery. Oh, so you're having IP security risks. That means a lot of stuff to a lot of different people. Like, what does it mean at IBM to say that you guys have IP security risks, right? And that, that's like you dig deep. You have to ask three or four responsive questions that are a question to clarify the answer they just gave you. And if you're not good enough to come up with three or four questions, you got to go back and do some training and figure it out because it that's required in today's selling. So you dig the pain hole. The purpose of digging the pain holes, get to the treasure. The treasure is a hypothesis. It's, I think I understand what's going on. So you do the next part of the framework, step three, which is diagnose and confirm. You tell them your hypothesis, hypothesis and ask if they got it right. So Nick, what I'm hearing is 
is that you have uh, put a bunch of money into online LinkedIn marketing. You haven't been able to get your subscribers up to a million subscribers yet, which means that you can't hire the, the staff that you need to get out of the outsourcing to take your production level to the next level. And the way that you're measuring that is, is like, you're only adding 10,000 new subscribers a month. Do I have that right? So see what I did as I just use our pain statement construction. I did despite A, you don't get X, which means, or you can't do X, you don't get Y as measured by Z. So I just gave you the pain statement. That's what I got when I dug the pain hole. And then I said, do I have that right? And one of two things happens. They say yes, and they tell you more. <laughs> Or they say no, and they tell you, and they correct you, and you end up with a, the, a proven hypothesis, right? And so like that's, and then the last part is you give them a, a, a brief glimpse of the future. And you just say, hey, you know, we'll get into this a little bit later, Nick, but you know, I've helped, uh, you know, the sales guy podcast, uh, I was able to help him get up to a million viewers by doing this really cool online campaign that involved cupcakes. Like, I, I think we could utilize that. We'll get into it later, but like, I think that you could probably uh, see how it works, right? And so you give them that little glimpse of, 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 of a solution that creates intrigue to want to continue the conversation. So that, that's, that's, how I, that's how I teach discovery is probe, dig the pain hole, diagnose and confirm, brief glimpse of the future. So let's say we're in that conversation, Mark, and you're like, I love this brief glimpse of the future. Let's do a demo and I'm going to invite my entire executive team. We've got 30 minutes and their time is super, super valuable. So um, we only have 30 minutes for this demo. You've talked before about how if I just walk into that demo with eight different people on, I'm kind of walking into uh, it's going to be a failure. And you've sort of got a framework around how folks should prepare for that. And I'm wondering if you can talk through that. Yeah, yeah. So listen, the first thing is, is um, when, when you do things right, people do lean in, right? And leaning in is, you know, what we want as salespeople, right? And so what you have to do is you have to help people understand when they're leaning in too much or they're, le they're leaning in in the wrong direction. An executive that says, I want you to book a meeting with eight other executives knows it's a bad idea. It's just no, the, you, just most reps aren't telling them it's a bad idea. They know that they don't, they know that the last three demos that they sat in with the IT, the marketing, the sales, the CFO, and the CEO were complete disasters and nobody walked away with anything. They just forgot because they got excited because you did your job. So you got to bring them back. The first thing is you got to head them off at the pass. You have to say, hey, I've done a lot of demos. I don't, and I've done a lot of awesome demos. I might have only ever done one or two good demos with all the people you just asked me to do. I don't know if I'm good enough to do that, man. So why don't we do this? Why don't I set up individual demos with everybody and I'll do a 15 minute with everybody rather than an hour with four different people that don't care about the other 45 minutes. So that that's the, the first part of it is, is you have to be able to... Um, head them off at the pass and help them not do something that they know doesn't work. They know it doesn't work. <laughs> you, you talked about the idea here is the, the executive gets excited and they say, oh, I want to build consensus and I need all of these people to weigh in. But the challenge is you can't possibly show a demo that's both relevant to the director of finance and the CMO because they care about different things. And so what you're attempting to do is set up individual demos that can be super, super tailored to those individual people. 
That's exactly right. So could you basically just give a sense of how are you actually navigating those four conversations in a way that they're not just happening in completely different parts of the business and never come back together? Yeah, so it's a really great point. And I actually have a rep right now named Brian Gerard who taught me what I think is the best practice on this is once someone is added in a meaningful way to the sales process, Brian actually now every email that goes out uh, that uh, outlines a meeting, he includes every one of those people in that email, even if they're not in the meeting or not. So at the end, he might have 15 people in each meeting summary email. And he's like, hey, I just met with Susie, you know, your CMO. We talked about this. And what happens is, is 15 people all get to go along in the conversation. 15 people all get to feel the amount of work that you're doing, the amount of work that they've done, and they feel more in the know. And, you know, listen, that's not an email that you get a reply rate on. Right. People don't like like executives aren't going to email you back and be like, oh, thanks for the update. They're just going to read it and take note of it. But the sense of what you're doing is what matters there is I am working with a bunch of people that are putting a bunch of time and effort and resources into this. Why would you want to throw that away with no decision? And, And I bet you I'm the only rep doing that. So why would you want to go with anybody else? What does that email look like? Because this is an area I struggle with sometimes, Mark, is I have a conversation with the director of IT and we cover like the security check the boxes conversation. And I suck at putting together like the follow-up email because I'm either writing a wall of text that looks like I've tried to transcribe Moby Dick into an email or I'm like, okay, I only have two bullet points that I can send. Like how substantive am I getting with that recap email? Yeah, they just send the two bullet points. Like to, to me, it's super simple. Like an email to an executive should attempt to be uh, small sentences that fit on a single line on any on an email. They should be double spaced. And I'm like, this is getting into the nitty gritty, but like, I'm just telling you, when I get an email that has a block of text with bullets or is three or four sentences, the chances that I read the entire block of text is almost zero. And I don't know, you know, maybe it's my social media messed up mind. Maybe it's, you know, you know, I watch too many three minute videos on YouTube. I don't know what it is, but like, I just don't read blocks of text and I don't think other executives either. So everything should be one line. So that it doesn't look like you can scan it. You have to actually, it looks like more work to scan than just to read. And like, I would argue that if you have more than in a follow-up email, five or six or seven sentences, you, you they're not going to read it anyway. So it doesn't matter. So I would put the, I'll be like, met with Chuck from IT. Guess what? Good news. Next line. We were able to pass his security thing, period. We were able to meet the three requirements for the exchange server integration, period. Everybody else, any questions about this? I've meeting with John next week to talk about how we're going to integrate in with Marketo too, period. And then you just keep everybody on the journey. Like, keep it that simple. They'll read that. You got a chance if you write that. (laughs) Executives want to be in the know, not in the details. So just keeping them abreast of what's going on and in the know is they feel empowered. They feel like nothing's going to blindside them. They feel like, hey, I'm not going to get into a meeting and look like an idiot because everybody else knows something that I don't. But they very rarely care about the details. And if they do, they'll ask. And then that's when you should provide them. But don't provide details unless asked. So can we talk about 
let's say you get into a demo, right? You, you've got these one-on-one -on -one demos and now I'm going to sit down with the VP of sales and we've got 30 minutes on the books and I get onto the Zoom five minutes early and I'm waiting for that person to show up. Can you talk about the elements of what goes into a good demo and how we can avoid some of the common pitfalls that reps stumble into? And so the first thing is like, put your creative mind on. Do you want to start a demo with a deck? Like, do you really want to look at a NASCAR slide of all my logos and then see like an agenda that has six bullet points on it that are all like three sentences each? And then some stupid graphic on the side to like make sure that it's not just all words. Like, come on, like, let's do better than that, right? Don't start with the stupid deck. Like, start like this. The cameras are on. We're talking. Come up with something interesting. Nick, where do you live? Me? I'm in Pasadena, California, right by the Rose Bowl, if you're a football fan. Awesome. Hey, Nick, when I was in college, I went to see Penn State at the Rose Bowl. We had this amazing breakfast restaurant on the way to the... Uh, uh, the way to the Rose Parade the one morning, like we're, we're, what's the best restaurant in Pasadena? Like what's the best? I want to see if it's the same one. See, like that fast, like you can't, you got to be able to do that. Like that conversation right there changes everything about the entire conversation. But me starting up with, hey, here's my outreach slide. Look at all of our awesome logos. And here's my boring agenda. Like, guess what happens? Pattern recognition mode for the executive. This will be boring in five minutes. How can I look like I'm paying attention while I'm doing email work? That's what will happen. So that's number one is, is don't do the deck, right? So then um, what goes into your first, let's say you've, you've built some rapport and naturally Nick can talk about all of his favorite fried chicken places the entire time. Now you're going to start to segue. Are you going to a deck? Are you jumping right into the demo? How are you changing sort of the movie script from there after you're done building rapport? Yeah, great call. So uh, listen, I think this is with your level of comfort. Some people really need that deck as a ground, as a foundation to build off of. And if that's the case, go to the deck, right? Just make sure it's not stupid. Like, don't show me a bullet point agenda that starts with introductions and ends with Q&A. I will barf if I see another one of those, all right? I don't, I know we're going to do an introduction, so I don't need it on the agenda. And you better be asking me questions the whole time. I'm not saving my questions till the end. So like, like, let's get real. And you should put together a visual agenda if you want to do it, like two or three key slides, tell me what's going to happen. And then we talked about earlier, like, where am I going to end up? Like, just tell me, don't surprise me. Don't, don't surprise me at the end with like, oh yeah, we need to meet with these three other people. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't know what we were headed there. Show me where we're headed, right? So you, if you do that, if you're not, if you don't need a deck, I would say it's a power move to not do a deck at all and just go right into the product. I do say that you, if you don't do a deck, you have to have like these three things. You have to have these three things. And sometimes it is good visually to show them, but every demo to me should have three things that you show and only three things. And so like, if you've done your discovery and you got your pain statement, you should know the three things you have to show in the product. And the way you tee it up is you say, listen, our product's big. I could show you a hundred things in this demo. You're probably used to seeing a hundred things and not walking away with any. I'm going to do it a little differently. I'm only going to show you three. I'm going to miss some stuff that's important to you, but I'm okay with that. Because if you don't hit the, if you don't get these three things, we shouldn't talk about anything else. So let's just agree we're taking a super small bite 
to start. It's going to be super duper yummy. You're going to want to eat the rest of the meal later. I'm not serving you a whole meal in this, this meeting because you'll never be able to eat it all. And so I set it up like that, like tell them what you're doing. And then lastly, that movie thing is if you can't weave a narrative that puts me into a place where I can see my reps or see my IT people or see myself using the product, then it's, it's just a bunch of point, click and tell. And that who cares about point, click and tell? I don't, I don't want to explore every button on the screen. I want to see how you solve my problem in the product, which has to be story and narrative driven. Can you talk about how you do that? For everybody in the audience, you heard the intro. Mark is over at Outreach. And so you all know how general cadencing, sequencing tools, whatever you're using works. I happen to be an Outreach user. And so instead of saying, you can drop five prospects into a 10-step sequence, how do you describe Outreach in story form? You don't have to do the whole thing. Yeah. So let me take a little part about account coverage. All right, so we have a screen that shows every account. And it also shows this histogram of the back and forth uh, messaging between the account and the rep. And it does it with like a little, every month is a bar and the light blue is what the, the rep did. The dark blue on that bar is what the customer did. So this is what we say. We say, listen, you know, um, I am Armand. I walk in in the morning. And right now what I do is like, I log into Salesforce. I check my email and I look at my calendar and I try to figure out what I got to do today. And by the time I get done with my coffee, I go to use the bathroom, I get a snack. It's like 10.30 a.m. and I still haven't done jack squat, right? I'm still trying to figure it out. So wouldn't you rather have a place where Armand walks in the office, he grabs his cup of coffee and he looks at his top 20 accounts and he can see which account has people that are communicating with him, which ones that he hasn't contacted in the last seven days and how many people he's currently in the process with of going after. And maybe he can even look to see, does he have enough contacts in some of them to keep going? And so literally in 30 seconds with this screen, Armand can scan his top accounts and either know I got work to do today, or we can go to the next part of the demo and he can see what the other stuff that he has to do. But like, that's where you want a rep to be is if they grab their coffee at nine, at 9.05, you want them rolling, not 10.30. So see, like that's a that's a narrative. It's a picture. Like it's hard to do without showing the screen and all that kind of stuff because it's a demo. But like the narrative alone is compelling, right? And so you just share show the product in terms of that narrative. Build a movie. Like that's a movie. Did you guys picture Armand with a coffee? And you you did you picture him at the snack station eating a few things and then like coming back and like it's ten like you literally can feel it. It's ten thirty and you've done nothing. You hate it but you don't know what, how to fix it. So I've created that villain and, you know, that, that angst in you. And then I resolve it by giving you an awesome picture of a future where you're feeling cool by 905 and you're drinking your coffee. Next thing you know, it's noon and you haven't even had a chance to take a whiz yet. All right, Mark. So this has been phenomenal. Tons of good stuff on prepping execs, having good meetings. We talked about a ton of really good things sales reps should be doing out there. And so we're moving to the final question and we're going to flip it a little bit. We're going to talk about a bad habit. So my question for you is what's one bad habit that you see a lot of salespeople living out that you think they need to ditch because it's hurting them more than it's helping? Yeah. So the number one bad habit I see with reps is the lazy asking of two questions. One is, do you have any questions? And the second is, does that make sense? 
And now let me tell you, everybody will tell you those are bad questions. They're actually not bad questions. When I hear a rep doing that, I think that rep has awesome sales instincts. What's happening is, is they're explaining something. Their sales instincts are telling them, you know what? I don't know if this person's following. And they pause because they don't understand what's going on with their sales instincts. They ask a really lazy question is, do you have any questions? And so they keep going, but they haven't resolved is the person with them or not. And like, that's what it is for me. In an internal meeting with my leaders, I'll say, does that make sense? Which is a crappy question, but it's a very valuable question because I've attuned myself to say, oh, I just asked a bad question. My sales DNA are kicking in. I feel a gap. Let me resolve the gap. And then I formulate a good question. So guys, hey, I just showed you this prospecting playbook. I don't feel like you're with me because you know, you don't agree on the three hour prospecting block on Tuesday mornings. Like, does anybody have a problem with that specific part of it? And see, I turned a, do you have any questions to a really strong question that helps me close the gap and let me know if they're with me. If they're with me, I keep going. If they're not with me, I go back to where they are and I try again. And so that's the number one bad habit that reps have that I see is, do you, do you have any questions? And uh, does this make sense? Bad questions, if that's the only question you ask awesome questions if you use them as a trigger to ask a better question that actually helps you understand what if they're with you or not. Beautiful. Trust the sales instincts, but ask maybe a better question than any questions. Mark, this has been a blast, man. Thank you for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Everybody stick around for a 60 second recap coming up soon. Cheers. Otter AI's Otter Pilot for Sales gives you the freedom to sell on your discovery calls by taking notes for you. One of the best ways to deepen your discovery is to ask your prospect about the impetus behind their goals. So when a prospect tells me they want to advertise on more sales podcasts, I'll say, well, it's not every day that you wake up and decide you want to sponsor a podcast. What's causing you to even explore this in the first place? Now, we put together the ultimate discovery checklist with our friends at Otter AI, which you can get for free at the link in the show notes. Today's tactic to triple your connect rate is brought to you by RocketReach, who provides data that lets you reach out to the right person at the right account at the right time. Every time you're reaching out to an account, pull down the contacts again. Yes, I know it sucks, but the average tech tenure is two years, which means 50% of the workforce turns over every year. So look up the account, pull anyone who was hired, and scratch anyone who was left. And one way you can pull verified and accurate data is with Rocket Reach. So if you like this, check out their toolkit on eight ways to triple your cold call connects in the show notes. Here's my secret to being a sales superhuman. It's auto reminders for everything. If I expect any reply from a prospect, I press command H and superhuman pops it right back into my inbox. If I don't get a reply in two days, that means if you handle an objection, if you suggest times for a meeting, or if you ask for cuts back on red lines, always create a two day reminder task and assume they will not reply. So if you want to follow up on time, every time you can get a free month of superhuman by checking it out in the show notes, your top four takeaways from the episode with Mark Casaglo include number one, instead of sending a deck or a 17 page recap email, send them a video after that big team demo. Number two, instead of sending them a boring case study, execs hate your case study, mark it all up and draw their attention to the important parts. Number three, you gotta understand your problem statement before you show them any software. What it might sound like is despite A, we can't do X, which means we don't get Y as measured by Z. And lastly, number four, prevent the massive eight-person demo. When they want to throw their whole team onto a call, it's not a good 
idea. You have to make your prospects eat their vegetables and say, hey, that's probably not the best idea. Let's handle these conversations one off. All Nick, how can people help us out? Eat your vegetables. And I really want Mark to be impressed with this show. And so if you were impressed with Mark, if you wouldn't mind sending him a little LinkedIn connection request and maybe put a message that says, hey, I heard you on 30 Minutes to President's Club. Those Nick and Armand guys aren't so bad. We really enjoyed the episode. It would make my week. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you guys next week on 30 Minutes to President's Club. Today's deal acceleration tip is brought to you by Demandbase. If you want to save a ton of time as a salesperson and be more relevant, I recommend you prioritize your prospecting by those prospects who are showing buyer intent. It'll keep you from making a bunch of noise and reaching out to folks who aren't in market, and instead you'll reach out to folks who are in market. Now, we built a bunch of templates to help you prioritize, accelerate, and win with Demandbase, and there is a link to those wonderful templates in today's show notes. This week's actionable prospecting tactic is from Sixth Sense, who shows you the prospects who are most likely to buy so you can get more meetings with fewer activities. Personalizing cold emails requires you to only change the first paragraph in a trigger template. All you have to do is tie the research to the problem you solve in paragraph one, and then switch that out while you leave paragraphs two and three, your solution and call to action, exactly the same. And so we are giving you six of these trigger templates with our partners at Sixth Sense. The link is in the show notes.